and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys, welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I, again, am your host, Mark Kaler. Uh, today we're still sitting up in St. Paul, Alaska. It is Opelio season. And I have one of the, sitting on one of the larger and, and most pristine, I would say, crab boats in the fleet with Captain uh, Mark Casto. So Mark, how are you today? I'm doing great, doing great. Thanks for taking the time to join me during the, he's offloading his Opelio right now. Yeah, we're right in the middle of Opelio season. It's been a different year. It's kind of a lot colder this year than years past. As you guys have heard on the previous couple episodes we've recorded in St. Paul, there's a lot of background noise. We are sitting in his wheelhouse, and uh, so there'll be bells, whistles, and some radio chatter, and probably hearing the cranes back uh, in and out. But uh, let's get it started, Mark, with where were you born, and what, what, what first brought you into the industry? I was born in Aberdeen, Washington, 1968. My father was a commercial fisherman out of Westport, Dungeness fisherman, and stuff and uh, he used to bring us out on the boats and all of us like me and my brother brothers sister they we all liked this it. So it was fun I'm like yeah, I could do this for a living what was your first commercial fishing experience I'm going out with him come going to a uh, went out in, in Westport didn't do a lot just kind of hung out and went and washed and then uh, he bought the Westford win in 19. 19- 78-ish, I guess. And uh, so I spent lots of summers flying up to uh, up to Dutch Harbor. And we'd do uh, Norton Sound Red Crab and go from there to St. Matthew Blue Crab. And then it was time to go home and go to school. We just, uh, on a previous episode here, probably the one right before this one, we interviewed Red Perry. And he spoke of the westward wind. He yep. called it a Cadillac. Yeah, that was uh, my dad's first Bering Sea Crabber. It was my first crab boat I worked on. It was my first crab boat that I was captain of in 1990, I guess, 91, 90. And, uh, yeah, it's a great boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. So be, being raised in the industry, with, I imagine your dad, as most fishermen's fathers, didn't quite pay him a fair wage initially anyway. No, I, was, I got 500 bucks my first summer. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I was I learned to work ethic and and uh, it was you know it was fun. We were good with us. It was fun. I truly enjoyed my summers up here. So, yeah, it was like the patience that he uh, <laughs> that he had to bring us all up there, and and uh, it's pretty crazy because you know being a father and bringing my sons up. I have a gillnetter in Bristol Bay, and man, the patience that he had to have to have us on the boats was pretty crazy. So you're taking your kids up now? I used to, they, they uh, both started are in college, or one is in college and one's down. And but that's but they started with you. They, yeah, they started in Bristol Bay with me. So what generation then are your kids? Was your third. father the first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my kids are third generation. My brother's kids are both third generation. How old were you when you first took over the Westward Wind? Twenty-one. Wow. Wow. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-one. I got my captain's license at twenty-one. 
So how did let's, let's talk about the, hand, the handing of the keys when you first got the keys? How did that go down? Uh, my father was really not. He was more of an owner at Arctic Alaska at the time, so it was he was kind of out of that picture in Arctic Alaska. I start. I came up through the Arctic Alaska Fisheries uh, chain with Francis Miller, and that was one of my dad's partners and stuff like that. So. That was, and then we did that in '91. We built the first pinnacle. Her dad built it. He ran it for king crab, and I ran it for stone crab that year. And that was pretty much I took over on the pinnacle ever since then. Okay, I still want to. I still want to get the story of when you took over first time as a captain at 21. Yeah, that's How did that feel? I mean, what? extremely stressful. <laughs> 21 years old with 27 people on there. It was crazy. We were doing bear die over Christmas that's how new guys broke in into the business was you get the Christmas trip did you bring a lot of friends on uh, no I had a couple I had crew members that were still on there because yeah, I know this this boat your the pinnacle that we're on now it seems like your newest crew members like a decade on board or something yeah you know no no turnover. no no they're all these guys are great I mean couldn't do it without them there Got two or three guys that are at 20 years, a couple guys at 18 years, one guy at like 15, and the and the, the newest guy, like you said, is 12 or 10 or 12, 13 years, something like that. You said the first pinnacle. So this isn't the first pinnacle? No, the first one we, we sold in 1997 to the state of Alaska and uh, built this one in 98, and fished, first year of fish was 1999. February of '99. So, so I, you you might have already mentioned it, but I'm my my mind scrambling a little bit. How old were you on your first crab trip? When I first, well, like ten, ten oh, years geez. old. Me and my bro, my brother was like eight, so if I was I was ten, he was eight. You think guys still do that now? No, I don't think so. Because there's not the summertime. I mean, they they bring their kids tendering and stuff like that, but not there's not a lot of summertime crabbing, bearing sea summertime crabbing stuff going on anymore. Yeah, you wouldn't take them out in the conditions we're sitting at, at least well, the temperatures. You know, it's it's all about knowing when to say when. Kind of like have driving. you ever have you ever had to say when? Well, we've quit fishing lots of times. Yeah, you know, times. It's, it's like not worth it. Not worth something getting somebody hurt. Some. That'd be a good deal, man. Just say, yeah, well, you can do it tomorrow. Catch them tomorrow. Yeah. What was your, can you share with, what was your first truly scary experience? It's on the westward wind when, when uh, um, <coughs> we were fishing brown crab out west. And uh, a guy named Craig Sandus was running the boat. There was like six or seven of us deckhands on there. And we are pulling this early edition brown crab long line. And uh, I smelled smoke, and I'm like, look up in the wheelhouse. You know, it's a house house, so you can see the whole wheelhouse. And he's sitting there, everything's fine. And keep going, and man, I smell smoke. And uh, look up in the wheelhouse again, he's still sitting there. I'm like, man, I smell smoke. And uh, third time I looked up there, the wheelhouse was full of smoke, and he was gone. So, like, shut everything down, and... And uh, or the you know stopped the power block and went, went and grabbed fire extinguishers and 
and ran into the house and couldn't get very far into the house because it was black smoke in there, it was coming just pouring out of there. And uh, so I went up around and he's putting on a Scott Air Pack to try and go get the survival suits. And I asked him if he made a mayday call and he said yeah. And then he told me to go up and get the life rafts. And that was back before you know the days we didn't train. I was like 18 years old. We didn't train, so I didn't even know how they worked, you know. And uh, I'm pulling on the painter line. I'm pulling. I'm like, it doesn't. It's broken, man. It doesn't work. And other guys are out on deck, and I'm hollering down there. I can see down. And, and uh, flames are starting to come out the back door. <laughs> I'm getting kind of nervous. I'm going, this is scary. And uh, finally, it, it opened up, and and I kicked it down on deck. And then the next one, I just kind of lowered it down on deck. Out in the, it didn't blow it up. So. But anyway, so we got, you know, rescued by the Coast Guard. And so that was, just, you know, that was quite the experience. Uh, and stood up, we stood up, we stood up on the bow and, and uh, watched the windows fall out. And it was scary, yeah, it was scarier than shit. There's no way driving the boat anymore. No, we were, no, we're, but we were on, we had that, still had the brown crab string <laughs> in the power block. And uh, oh. so we were anchored up. On the, on, the, on the brown crab string, it's kind of crazy. So essentially you just kind of sat there and watched her burn until the Coast Guard arrived? Pretty much, yeah. It was Like I said, it was before any kind of training, any kind of firefighting training going on. It so was, uh, back, back that then, was, was 1988. So during a Mayday call at that time, uh, would that have been giving him your Latin long? I mean, or was yeah. there EPIRBs then? And you could, uh, I don't remember if there was EPIRBs or not. Probably, but they were, they probably weren't the ones that were, you know, the ones we have now that are assigned to the vessel yeah, and stuff I seem, like that. I seem to recall when I was being trained for Mayday calls in the early 90s, it was uh, three three Mayday calls, yeah. of course, and then your Latin long, Latin yeah. long, Latin long. It's like, like it still is today. Yeah. I mean, we had survival suits, and, and we were showing how to put them on, but it's nothing like the safety we experience today. No. Yeah. Today... Today we still have, we have, we drill once a month. We, we drill while we're, you know, we have man overboard drills. Like I'll pull a man overboard in the middle of a stream at like 2 a.m. when, let's see what happens. See if everybody knows their, knows what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, practice, practice, practice. You're a very laid back interview. <laughs> so, uh, explain to me, or describe to our listeners, I should say, if you can, uh, how it gets on those really long strings. How how, how it gets from those long hours and how... Just keep going. You just have to keep going. I don't know, the, the drive is... you got to finish it, and you got to finish the trip. You know, but if the weather's crappy, you... Like I said, you have to know when to say when, but the summer days, and you know, you gotta just keep going, mm -hmm. dig deep, see how you know, see how much you got in you. Just keep going, because you know you can look in the eyes of your crew members and you can tell how tired they are. Mm -hmm. No matter if you're, you know, we do sleep shifts on air and we rotate. But we're still doing a twenty on and four off, right? That's what. It, that's what it. If you were to truly work a full shift, that's what it'd be. But we do a lot of rotating and double downing. We call it double downing. And so you know, I like to you know, I keep track of how many hours they're working. And Fifteen hours, fifteen, sixteen, sometimes less, sometimes more. But we try and keep it going. And 
But you can tell when they need a break when you can look in their eyes and they're tired. Mm -hmm. Now I'm hearing here in St. Paul, a lot of guys are fishing just out west of the island, and four or five hours away. You guys are running north. Yeah. You know, like a day and a half, two days up, right? Yeah. I, or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're fishing further away than most people. Uh -huh. there, there's a handful of us up there. Is that ice moving down further this year than it has been? There's ice on its way, so we'll see what happens, I guess. We'll hope for the best. <laughs> hope for a southerly, I guess. Otherwise, we're going to get pushed out of there. So it's, you know, there's the, come, the whole ice edge is at an angle, and there's guys out here, and then there's guys here, and then there's guys here. We're all, we're all you know, in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. The guys that are west of here, they got they got more time. The guys that are more up on, you know, the ice runs at that northwest southeast angle. And, you, know, you can start lining the guys up. And so primarily, your fishing career has been. It sounds like Bristol Bay. You fish Bristol Bay. Yep, I've I've uh, fished Bristol Bay since 1983, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then I graduated from high school in '86, and flew to Alaska the next day. Next morning, I was on a plane at, at 6 a.m. Going to the westward wind? Actually, I was going to Bristol Bay. Okay. <laughs> so then I went to Bristol Bay, got home from Bristol Bay for like a week, and went on the westward wind was my first first uh, actual... Big paying gig. Big, yeah. So what was the, what was was the first the, big retreat for yourself? Big. Like the first... The first big thing you bought for yourself. You know that big check, that first big check. I bought a pickup truck, just like probably most of every other guy did. Yeah. I don't know. If Actually, I then I bought a gillnetter. <laughs> oh, you did, did you? Yeah. Uh, permits were probably a lot cheaper then than they are today. Actually, no, they're about, they're a little bit cheaper right now. They're, they're a little bit more now, but they went, they've done their little spike thing. and No, so I was, went to, uh, yeah, we were summertime fishing um, Lopelio in August. Was my first baiter's job, you know, fully experienced owner's son. Getting the royal treatment. Whole nine yards, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's, that was that. Here we are today. Yeah, well, that moved quickly. Uh, would you change anything about the choices you've made in your career? And would this be the career you, cho you huh. chose? I would choose it all over again. You would. And what about your kids? You see them doing in the future, or going to college and doing something else. They're doing. I told. I've always told them. You find something you like to do and do it while mm -hmm. it's not like going to work. So I never made them go fishing or whatever. They, they don't want to do it, then they don't have to do it. Go find something they're good at. What are they? Yeah. One of them is uh, one of them graduated from Loyola Marymount. In uh, LA, has a with a math degree, so he's a math teacher. And the other one is an aspiring fashion photographer, video guy. Okay. Getting his degree at in New York City. So. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. My my. No, it's awesome to go visit him. <laughs> yeah. I, I can only imagine being 21 and growing up there or going there. In New York. Yeah. I've never even been. Oh, it's beautiful. It's fun. It's a great town. Yeah, I've been visited them quite a few times. I love going there. It's fun. That must be something else the fishing gives you. You do you do the months out at sea, yeah. and you got the months back home, or at least weeks yeah. at a time. Yeah, I get quite a bit of time off. I get to do a lot of what we want, the wife and I and stuff. And 
but it's also you know it's full-time job <laughs> you know this boats don't take they don't take care of themselves so you gotta you gotta put the time in to make them make it nice make it you know well you this gotta, one is very nice you got yeah it helps to have a the great crew they know exactly what what we need to do and how we need to do it so like I said I couldn't do it without these guys it sounds like you see yourself doing this for quite a while yeah uh, yeah I guess I don't know a little longer I got a few years left in me it's still fun when it's not fun anymore I'll think I'll quit. I still enjoy it the bay the bay is a lot of fun it's it's still you see you seem to still fast paced and yeah I was gonna say you seem to me like like even this interview it's we're we're only 16 minutes in and at, at most interviews we would up to this point of questioning right we would be about 35 minutes in you seem like a man of not very many words, but uh, super hard action. I don't like to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I'm nervous right now. Yeah, I, well, well, I get it, you know. You know what, let's, Mark, let's talk about the bay. Yeah. What's What makes it so entertaining? And fun? It's fun. It's just the intense competition. You're aggressive about it. Yeah, it's fun. It's Plus, all my you know, my brothers are there. My dad used to be up there and stuff, so... And then, most of my crew members that work on here, they've all bought boats since they've been working for me, so. Big family. Mm-hmm. All like, the radio group? Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, just, it's just intense. It's fun. It's hard to describe. You haven't been there. And the learning curve is so steep, too. It's like, no, we do okay, but there's guys that freaking kill it up there. It's like pretty intense. I think it. It's pretty neat to watch it happen and the, the amount of fish that can come through there. It's just pretty crazy. You say the learning curve is steep. You mean like a, for a greenhorn coming on or as yeah, a captain for, running the boat? No, as a captain, as a new captain, not, you know, just running the boat. It's the, the tides are moving so fast and things are happening so fast. And, you know, and everything you do has a repercussion of, you know, if you tow this way and, and you know, you could end up wrapping a tender over here or, wrapping another boat on anchor and it's just you know shit happens so fast that it's a little faster than have you had an oh shit that's that was fast moment in bristol bay you can share oh, yeah, everybody has well i mean i've got tickets from you know fishing over the line that you know you thought the tide was done and but it you know still trickling out the other way and you're trying to get the net in and here comes the you know the skiff and fishing game skip and that's an oh shit you know, something breaks while you're, you're that, or you make this great set at slack water, and then it's, you know, it's almost too great because it takes too long to get it back in, and now you're sitting there towing for two hours on this set that, as the tide is pushing you out, and the fishing game skiff is still sitting there waiting, waiting for you to, cross that line. waiting for you to lose ground and go over the line and stuff, and, you know, just stuff like that. It's, well, the tide's there. I mean, yeah. Some Twice. guys have mentioned it in previous episodes, but it's no joke. No, it's not. It's, it's scary. I mean, yeah, it's they're they're moving four, five, six knots, five knots. It's, uh, you, I don't know. Like I said, the learning curve is extremely steep. And mm-hmm. you have a favorite moment when you, when you were fishing in the bay? Yeah, yeah. Let's go one with the bay and one with crabbing. I'd have to go with a, like a four-hour opener, eight gig one. The opener before it was just horrible. Then it was like my first 
first opener ever of not getting a not having a fish ticket not I mean, we literally went out and did not catch a fish and I'm like what the heck man all depressed and we're sitting there and then the next day we're listening to waiting for a fishing game announcement to let's go fishing and we got nothing and I'm like oh my god doom and gloom season and, and then the next day they give us an opener and it's kind of sunny out and one of my buddies, Danny Thompson, he, he runs out and he's sees us, he goes, Man, you should see these jumpers out here and so I'm like I'm like hanging out in the river waiting and and uh, like an hour about half hour before the opener, this wall of fish like I've never seen before in my life comes into the Naigik River. And then we had a four hour opener and pretty much set the net and got it pulled in like twenty minutes before it was over. It was like it was twenty some twenty plus thousand pounds in four oh, hours, yeah. so it was pretty cool. So that that ranked right up there in Bristol Bay. And that and just being around all the all the, the guys up there. Mm-hmm. What about crabbing? Uh, fishing with my brother. You know, we talk every day, and uh, you know that's pretty cool. Is he is he out crabbing now? He's out fishing now. What boat's he on? He's on the Fierce Allegiance, yeah. He's That's a monster. That's a big boat. Mm. It's a big boat. It's a big combo boat. It's a little heavy, but it's it's a good boat. And uh yeah that and you know, we've had some great trips, but you know, it's I don't we've had you know you Sounds get like up, it's with who you're with rather than yeah, a moment uh, of Just hanging out with these guys, you know. They everybody's got each other's back, so mm. good bunch of guys. Now how long have you been running this boat? That's ninety one. Ninety one. Well, this looks... this one was built in ninety eight, so I, I mean I ran the other one and then, and then moved on to this. Yeah. One. yeah. This is a beast of a boat. Yeah. What's her length? One thirty seven mm-hmm. by uh, thirty eight feet wide by sixteen feet deep. So. And very yeah. tall. Yeah, it's three three ten ten foot story. So. It's it's a big boat. It's a big little boat. Mm-hmm. Packs, Tank, a, packs a lot of pots. Packs uh, we were stability for 310 pots, but we don't ever put that many on. We 220 man. Keep it way below, huh? Yeah, keep it safe. Keep it. That's fine. That's enough. If we need more, we'll go get more. But that's enough pots for one trip. Yeah, yeah. That and you know the crab tanks are they're like 14 feet deep. So that's she's a big boat. What so. advice would you have for? young guys looking to get in the industry find a good boat stick with it yeah but how do they find the boat well there's only a few left so it's not that hard well there really <laughs> is not many is there yeah yeah there's only like 50 or 60 I don't know there's ten that, it's harder now than it probably was back in the to, to especially to, to climb the ladder mm-hmm. so yeah I've got Evan and Mike the engineer he's been here 20 years so he's gonna think he's gonna run the boat for 10 during the summer and then I was thinking about going home for a trip this year for the first time ever given given uh, Evan the keys given given Evan the keys for a trip so just gotta just gotta do it mm-hmm. it's tough to do well everybody appreciates that first opportunity right yep well I did for sure yeah well, Mark, anything yep. you want to add? Open mic moment. Open mic? I got nothing, man. 
Thanks, right. thanks for coming over. Thanks for the interview. No, thanks for letting me come over. This is a, this is probably the biggest crab boat I've ever been on. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a Cadillac. Yep, it's nice. It's well taken care of. So, all right. Uh, well, thanks again, Mark. Thank you. And, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. I'd, I'd also like to just say thanks to my wife for uh, for sticking with me for all these years and giving me the chance to live my dream. So thanks. Before we really, really go, that's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard on both of us, I guess. So, but anyway, thanks, honey. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time.